before they could be launched into the world. I mentioned it before. It's, 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 uh, you know, let's root it in, into today's language. You know, there could be couples who have difficulties in their marriages. And, uh, you know, this, they, they may say, well, we, we're just going to move on. We, that's it. There's a separation now as they're coming together. Oh, not going to be fine. What you actually need, to, actually need to do is you have to move, sort some of that stuff out. That's that junk that you have to move because you're never going to move forwards. So you've got to move, take a step backwards to sort it out to be able to move forwards in purposes. And let's face it, and a lot of junk around the apostles and the disciples. You may say, what makes you say that? Well, they couldn't even pray for one hour. These guys who were going to take the world couldn't even pray for one hour. Not one hour. You may say, well, that's a bit harsh. Read what Jesus says. Could you not pray with me, stand with me for one hour? In the moment of Jesus' greatest need, the Garden of Gethsemane, where he sweat blood, the pain of our Savior. And all he gave him the instructions was, Tarry with me for the hour. And he walks back to them. You know the story. What happens? They are faster. They're fast asleep. And these are the guys who are going to take the world. See, so had to move backwards before they could move forwards. Now, I actually believe that whilst they were in the room together, there was a foundation that was being laid. It was being laid into them. And it was a very, very important thing that they were learning and understanding. They were understanding the need to be patient. If we're going to see God pour out His Spirit afresh on us, we need to be patient in prayer. We don't just need to come to a prayer celebration on a Tuesday night, once a month, and bring the house down and then say, well, God, come on. We need to persist and persevere in prayer. Is anybody hearing me this morning? We need to have some patience in our hearts. What else did they learn whilst they were together? Well, one of the things was they learned the importance of standing together. Because I said before, they were deserted. They were all falling out. They were all, you know, tripping one another up. They were all cultists. And yet what happened in this upper room? There was a joining together. My mind goes to Psalm 133. It talks about where brothers and sisters dwell together, dwell together in unity. Then God said, the blessing. 120 people in Acts chapter 1 and 2, there was 120 records. They needed to learn to get along. They needed to learn to do life together. They needed to learn to be patient another. There was something significant that took place. In Acts chapter 2, you can read it for yourself. There was then the fulfillment of the promise, which was there was the pouring out of the Spirit. Are you still with me this morning? There was a pouring out of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. I just love what it talks about there. It says, there suddenly, there was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. This was not a rattle of windows. I said before, if we open these lines, the equivalent happened and fill and we're in Jerusalem just over a week ago, 
I want to tell you what happened. The building where they were meeting was shaken by the power of God, but every other house around was unaffected. That's what happened. This wind was so violent, it shook the very being of them. Those who were they felt those sitting felt backsides. Those who were standing felt it was knocking them around. They felt this power that through the um, the room. This person, the Holy Spirit, who announced his arrival, stepped into the building. Not Elvis is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit walked into the building and began to touch each one of them. Touch them, touch tongues of fire, beginning to come upon all these people. And they began to speak in languages not known to them. I actually believe this stuff. I really believe this stuff. Sorry if you're not from a evangelical Pentecostal background and if this offends you, well, be offended. Because I believe this stuff. Really believe it. The power of God came out those who were meeting together in the upper room. The timid group of people who were living out a life of privacy. Because bearing in mind they were together in this Jerusalem that they estimate was 100,000 people in the city. And there was just 120 of them. So the small group, they were praying, were meeting together. They burst onto the scene. And who stands Which disciples stood forward? Come on, shout out. Peter. Good old Peter. Peter steps out and addresses the crowd. And speaks very, very strongly. You need to read it, Acts chapter 2. We haven't got time. He he just cuts them to the heart. There were no fucking and messing around. It was, come on. Stop your evil ways. Stop messing around. Stop what you're doing. You're the people put Jesus on the cross as we did. Now turn to Christ. Every one of you, repent and be baptized, every one of you. I want to say, if you've ever heard a message like that before this morning, well, you've just heard it now. I want to tell you, if you're living your life how you want to live, the Bible says, repent. Repent. Every one of you. And be baptized. Now, where I want to take you is Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. If you're just turning your Bibles... Because as a result of his plea for them to turn to God, he says in verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And then verse 41, it says, and those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000, Christian, have you read that right? 3,000. Yeah, 3,000 were added to that number that day. Now, that's a great verse, but what I find really strange is how it effortlessly effortlessly moves from 41 into verse 42. I've I've read this before many times. You've got to just read it. Have you got it on your Bibles? Yeah. Go back to verse 41. Thanks, Gemma. So we read there, those who are baptized in the message were baptized about three and number that day. It was all popping. Basically, what the Bible is trying here, it was all pepping, popping. People were being saved. Wonderful things were taking place. People would, had been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. There was dynamic things that were happening. People were hearing it. They were listening to what was going on. How can they speak in those languages? There was all this happening. And then verse 42, you'd think it would just be a continuation. 
But it just, with, a, with no effort, moves to. And they devoted themselves, apostles' teeth, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now for me, I'm going back to verse 41 for a moment, because I'm thinking, hold on a minute. Now, verse 41 is all popping, but Ilkeston, we have a problem here. Has anybody seen the problem, or is it just me? What are we going to do with 3,000 people? Have you ever thought about that before? What are we going to actually do with these 3,000 people? I mean, we don't know what we're doing ourselves, so how are we going to tell them? And they're looking to us for leadership. It feels a bit like that actually here, actually sometimes. You're looking to me and us for leadership. I ain't got a clue what we're doing. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. All this was happening, and, and what are they going to do with these 3,000? Have you thought about what were they doing with them? It's even more interesting because actually the 3,000 were made part of the Jerusalemites. They were people from other parts of the world. See, they'd come for the day the festival of Pentecost, they'd come in from all different languages. So that created another problem. What were they going to do in terms of housing them? Where were they going to sleep? Okay, we have another problem here, Lisa. How are we going to feed them? They haven't got jobs. If they're going to stay here and learn, what are we going to do with them? Now, some didn't. They would have gone back. But some, history records, not the Bible, but history records around it that people stayed. What are we going to do with them? What are you going to do with 3,000 people? Where, where's the track? Oh, we need, to, we need to get hold of Scripture Union. Can you send some, you know, we'll send an email. No, none of that. What are we going to do with them? And the other thing is, what are we going to say to them? Because what I love about these, as I'm progressing massively, I'm enjoying myself, I hope you are, um, is, you know, I love strategy. I love mission, vision, and strategy and working those things out. But all that they had given was going to all the world, make disciples. That was all that had been given. So they're here now. Mass revival, 3,000 people. But what, what are we trying to do here, boys? We've never done this before. What is all this about? What are we meant to do now? I, have you got it? What are we meant to do? What, what? It was beautifully set up because they knew what next was because there were some significant things that had taken place. They instinctively knew what was important because this is what they did as they waited. You may say, Christian, what are you meaning? Well, there were some things that they did as they waited. The Bible doesn't tell me, but I know that these things happened. Two. Again, shall we? Because it says there, they devoted themselves. They committed themselves. They Whilst they were together. They've already been doing it whilst they've been together. Over that period of time, that the days that they've been together, something happened. I said before, do you think that they were just praying? All it talks about is that they prayed. They didn't just pray, because they couldn't even pray for one hour. So how are they going to pray for like days?
spark up and say, <laughs> do you remember Peter? That occasion when we had a big crowd with Jesus and all those people needed feeding. And this little lad came to us with his fishes. The remarkable thing was that Jesus got hold of that fish and that bread and blessed it. And it was multiplied. Yeah, that was an amazing thing. Can you remember when Jesus, what are they doing? They are teaching God's word. Whilst that was happening, Mary broke out into a song because she was so full of praise to Jesus. And she began to praise to God and to Jesus for all that he has done. And the people in spontaneous praise and worship to God. They said, a little bit hungry now. I think we should have some food. Come on, guys. Who's still up a bit of omelets on toast? Because there's no bacon around at the moment because they're not allowed it. <laughs> I haven't come into that revelation yet. As they're making breakfast, one of them says, you know what? Jesus said to us, it would be good for us as often as we meet together. This cup, bread. So, would you mind if we just got some bread and some wine? Well, it's a bit early for that. No, we're not. Yeah, okay. And before they had omelets on toast, they broke bread together. I think this is what happened. I'm sorry that I'm just... Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what happened. Let's not read it in this fairy tale. This... formed in them. There was a devotion to... Apostles teaching because they spoke about what Jesus did. And that sermon on the mount. Where guys, we need to make sure that we forgive one another. Yeah, we all agree that we forgive one another because it's important that we remember what Jesus taught us. That's quite right, Thomas. We know that you're the doubter, but that's fine. We believe you, you know. These things were instinctively, intuitively happening. You see, the Spirit was at work. It was teaching them. Let me say this. This is worth a note. The life of devotion is the foundation for a life of motion. The life of motion is the foundation for a life of motion. It is impossible for us to go without first be devoted. The problems that I see in my life when I've got myself in trouble, more trouble than normal, is when I've gone with no basis of devotion. There was a number of blocks that were laid. And you may be wondering, or you may have escaped your attention, what's this that's here? Well, these guys have kindly helped me. And I'm going to be, uh, I think that needs a bigger helmet than that. But anyway, it just about fits. Now we have to do a risk assessment for this. Assessment consists of do not drop any blocks. On. So there we are. I wonder if Nathan, my apprentice, would come and just help me. This 
morning. And uh, yeah, thanks to Stuart. Oh, there we go. Are you all watching me? Could you pass me a block, please? Thank you. Let me uh, put a bit of water in. This is real cement. I don't want any funny comments from any of you guys saying this. We're going to get this on camera. Christian actually doing some physical work. Uh, Yeah. They normally call me in for demolition, not for building. Okay. Thanks, Nathan. Right. If you could just pop it on that edge there, because what I want to do, I'm going to show them how to start to build a wall. Is this all right, Stuart? Okay, so what I'm going to do, on, I'm just going to, I just want to show how it's done, all right, even though he's got 25 years of building experience, I'm going to now show how it's done. You won't believe that actually my family come from a line of builders and all kinds of things looking at how I'm handling this trial, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll keep going. Okay, so we have the first block, I wonder if we could just on the screen just going to settle that on there and nice I feel like Tim Taylor it's just brilliant off home improvement okay it's a little bit not great on that edge edges it let me just pop it up a bit but I want to talk to you first of all about a devotion to first of all the apostles teaching this is the apostles teaching this is a devotion all look at me now to the word of God This is what they were laying into their lives. There was a desire for God's word. There was a recognition that actually we can't live by bread alone. We can only live spiritually by God's word in our hearts. I'm going to be asking a very hard question here. I wonder how much of God's word... Is a foundation in our lives. Are we full of God's word this morning? Are we full of God's word? Do we have a devotion to God's word this morning? Or is it just something that we have to do? I wonder. I wonder what... You may say, well, Christian, is it as serious as that? Well, it must have been because this church devoted themselves to it. It underpinned their going. Remember, a life of devotion is a foundation for a life of motion. If you do not have this underpinning your going, you won't be going for very long. Better make sure that we're full of God's word. This word becomes so important to us. This word means everything to us. There's times when we think, I can't be bothered reading the word. Like that as well at times. I'd rather read the newspaper and see what's happening between Man U and Liverpool. I know they got beat yesterday, lads. Just settle down. But actually, the Daily Mail isn't going to feed me. Lord of the Rings isn't going to feed me. That movie isn't going to feed me. But the Word of God, we've heard it this morning, is going to direct us and feed us. So, we must make sure that we lay this as a foundation and Intuitively, they knew, instinctively, they knew that they needed to build this block into their lives. All underpinned and cemented in by the work of the Spirit. It's not dry. It's not dry. 
The Spirit of God leads us and shows us. So, can I have another block? I'm going to have to take my hat off. This is a bit of health and safety. I've got a bit of a helmet, I'm sure. But uh, let me have another one. Just hold it, Nathan, because my apprentice, I'm going to show you how it's done now. Are you listening? Good lad. Okay. Right. What we need to do now is get a little bit more cement. What is it? Three and one is this. Is this, or what is two and one? What is Sand and lime. I knew that. Or you did as well. Okay. Okay. We were hoping there was going to be enough, you know, for this, but because I want to do it tonight as well. Please still come if you're with Mansfield. And what I need to do is here. I'm on the edge here because we want to make sure that this sticks, Nathan. You listening? Don't worry. <laughs> Mate, you're on a flipping building site. You're going to get messed. Nathan, it's how I used to be. And I remember that well. Okay, I'm giving it my best. Oh, there we are. That'll do. Go. Oh. Budget and Scott. That'll do. Now, if we see on the screen there, there was a devotion to the word of God, the apostles' teaching. But there's also a devotion to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. I absolutely love John Wesley, how he describes it, because actually he doesn't separate between fellowship and breaking of bread. He talks about fellowship, and he talks about as they fellowshiped, as they met together, they ate meals together, and as they ate these meals together, they then broke bread. I prefer that, actually. I think that's a better way of doing it. So I want to call this block here, there was a block of devotion. Some of you people here say, oh, I don't need anybody else. Yes, you do. If you're going to go the distance, you need other people. That's why it's an important foundation that the early church understood. Anybody hearing me? So when we come to week four of our 242 program and it's Connect Week and we go privately, yes, we can just have we're committed to building, you know, an Acts 242 church, if we're committed to just outliving this life of Christ, we make sure we're committed to fellowship. It's no good saying, well, I actually prefer to be on my own. You've heard me say this before. I do. I know you might find that a bit strange, but talk to my wife. I do. I'm actually quite cool and quite comfortable with my own company. But actually... I need other people. It's a realization that's continued to come to me over many, many years that I actually need other people. I need other people to challenge me. I need other people to encourage me. I need people to love me. I need other people to rebuke me. I need other people if I'm going to grow. Anybody hearing me this morning? And there was a devotion to fellowship. People don't get connected in fellowship because actually they don't like what other people have to say. So they just keep away from it. But actually, what we are wanting to build here is a transparency and an openness that says, you know, come on, let's connect with other people. This fellowship wasn't, uh, and the other thing as well, segregated from those who were not now part of the Pentecostal experience. Because actually, they continued to meet with their friends and their neighbors and their work colleagues. Because how do I know? Well, the thing grew. So they must have been meeting with other people. 
We want to encourage you. We want to give you opportunity to meet with those people who are far away from God. Just meet with them. Have a coffee with them. Deal with them. Just be normal and natural with them. Don't keep doing all this stuff and, you know, trying to tell them about Jesus as you're doing a, you know. We got all weird as Christians. Be committed to fellowship. Be committed to fellowship one with another. Take this opportunity, I'll finish on this particular point. Because why do we provide teas and coffee at the end of the service? Because we just love the fact that you guys connect together. Over a cup of tea, over a coffee, over a biscuit, over some juice, over something from the coffee shop. Please do not underestimate the power of fellowship. And as we fellowship, was meals and there was the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread brought Christ to the very center. What breaking of bread actually does is straight away with my heart actually just zones in and I say, you know what, Christian? You thought it was actually all about church building. You thought it was all about preaching. You thought it was all about this. Actually, it's all about me. It's all about, this is Jesus talking, it's all about me. So as we break bread, and as they broke bread, they were constantly coming back to the fact, you know, that this isn't just about, you know, speaking in other tongues. This is actually about Christ. So there was a block that was, I'd love for you to see that. In fact, we can turn it around. Look how, what fantastic building that is there. You see it? Pretty tragic. Block. Great. He's doing a brilliant job, isn't he? Brilliant job. Now, yeah, if we just drop it on the end there, I don't think I'd get a job on a building site, would I, guys? No, I'm a bit slow. Yeah. Right. Okay, we've got a bit more here. Can you just drop it up so I don't get dirty? That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, like that. That's it. That's it. You'll have to move that glove or I'm going to put some cement. That's it. Well done. Thank you. I'm not very happy about this. Right. I don't know how this is going to go on the podcast, how this is going to record. I have no idea. But I am laying some bricks. Badly. Right, there we go. Now then, that's going to drop, but we'll just hide it. Okay, so you, you'll just drop it. Okay. Okay. Right. There we go. Let's give Nathan a round of applause, shall we? Dad, were that good? <laughs> Learned everything I know from me, Dad. <laughs> Last devotion of prayer. I, I, I just absolutely, I'm going to. Uh, I, I am just so underqualified to talk about this, but I just want to say. A few things with regards to prayer. You know, these were the devotional blocks that were built, all cemented by the Spirit. 
I said before, I said earlier, the disciples fell asleep at Jesus' most needy moment, so they needed to understand that prayer was important to build a life that was going to take them into going. Prayer for me is a dependency, a humility. What I'm actually saying when I pray is, because I actually think that I can do a lot more than I think. I think we all think like that. We all think we're better than we actually are. We all think we can do more than we actually can do. And Jesus doesn't want to be cruel with us. That is not his intention. But he wants us to recognize that actually the breath that we have is from him. The life that we live is from him. The gifts that we've been given are from him. And he can give. And he can take. And prayer for me, more and more, is about humility in my life. I'm just being honest with you. When I pray, I'm humbled. First of all, that I can be with God. And he wants to be with me. And secondly, it brings a humility to me because I'm actually saying, God, I really can't do this by myself. I really can't. I like to think I can, but I can't. When I pray for you as a church, I honestly say, God, I don't think I can keep doing this because I don't feel able and qualified and good. So, God, I'm just giving what I can to you. And this is absolutely true. God, I'm giving what I, my heart to you, my life to you. Because I need you to help me. Because without you, we ain't going to build anything. Prayer for me is a knowing and a being known. I, I feel naked before God oftentimes in prayer. See, I can kid you. I can kid my wife. I can kid the leaders. But I can't kid God. He knows every, every thought that I've, that, I've, that I've thought. He knows every word that I've said. He knows everything that I've done. So prayer for me is a, is a knowing and a being known. So I'm known, but I'm being known. Uh, Phil led three um, zone meeting, leaders meetings for ministers and teams and whatever. And the guest speaker was David Hine from um, the church in Leicester, the Assemblies of God Church. Fantastic. I really absolutely loved it because he was just dead normal. He wasn't trying to rip it up. But he just said something about, you know, sitting on the knee of Jesus. I was just struck by it again. I thought that known and being known. You know, it's almost as you come into prayer, that intimacy, you're just sitting on the knee of Jesus. And Jesus knows everything. These guys and ladies in this early church devoted themselves. What am I trying to say to you? The life of of, of devotion is the foundation for a life of motion. Some of you are wanting to go, but you have not devoted yourself to these things. And so as you've gone, you've become very, very upset. You've become very much depressed because things haven't worked out how you've wanted to them work. Jesus wants to say to you, build a life of devotion. A life of devotion. Let me tell you, there will be challenges that come to you. Let's look at the book of Acts. They were in trouble all the time. But what kept them anchored and centered? Help me this morning. A life of devotion. It's out of a life of devotion that we will go into a life of motion. Let me move quickly because I know time has virtually gone from us and I've been going far too long. How are we doing? 
How are we doing personally with this life of devotion? How are you doing with this life of devotion? I'm not wanting to bring any condemnation. I'm really not. I'm really not. So how are you doing and how are we doing? Midweek program 242 will only work from the free will intentionality of the congregation. We're trying to just lay a foundation of prayer. We're trying to lay a foundation of training. We're trying to lay a foundation where... You know, we're going to break bread together, where we fellowship, where we serve. It'll only work if we personalize this in our own lives. And I actually believe as a result of this, some people are going to really get it. And you're really going to get older, God. So that life of devotion leads to a, a life of motion. I'm going to whip through this dead quickly. And I'm just going to have to stick to my notes. So you're going to get the last, probably three quarters of the message within two minutes and it will be like that. So you're ready with it. You're ready. You've got your notepads and pens ready. Let me just tell you, you see, as, as they built these things into their life, it was a launching pad. It was a launching pad. Let's just go through it from the verses together now. Verse 43. So they devoted themselves. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It's a launching pad for miracles. It's a launching pad for miracles. Let's move on. They were all together and had everything in common. Verse 45. They sold property and possessions to, any, to give to anyone as he had need. You've already heard me say they had to do that because people were living together and where are they going to sleep and whatever. So it was, a, it was a launching pad for overflowing generosity. It was a launching pad. Yeah. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sin. It was a launching pad for high praise. They just worship God. They worship God. It was a launching pad, yeah. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Oh, this really grabs me. It was a launching pad for Salvation Rivers. Salvation Rivers. It just flowed, flowed. I was at police chaplaincy, more on that in another time training, and we saw some of the floods that happened. Was it last year or the year before? And our rivers were just breaking, and what would you do in an emergency thing? And my mind flushed. I just thought, wow. I knew I was on this. Salvation rivers. Ha, the dam breaking. Water flowing. How is this going to happen? Through a life of devotion. Waiting patiently. Just working it through. Overflowing generosity. Oh, the flow of salvation. Community impact, Leonie Chris. Community impact. You see, it's not what they did. It just happened. It's not what they did. It just happened. They weren't trying. They were just being. They weren't trying miracles. They weren't trying to get anybody saved. They were just being. There was no formula. It was just a devotion that led to progression and multiplication. God's power is always displayed when people are joined together by the Spirit and devoted to the solid foundations of 242. I can't say that again because of time. The life of devotion is the foundation for a life of motion. All I will say in this, in the closing moments, you see there's an upside down principle that takes place here. Um, we've been impacted, I've been impacted by 
um, a guy called Mark Batterson who's written a book, The Circle Maker. And he said this, the more I have to do, the more I have to pray. I actually thought the more I have to do, the less I needed to pray. Hello? Because actually some people haven't time to pray because I have too much to do. It's an upside down principle. So actually me giving two hours of prayer, that means I haven't got two hours to give. But God says, if you give me two hours in prayer and build this as a devotion, what would have taken you five hours to do, I'll do in five minutes. I'll do in five minutes. Because you build that devotion into your life. As a church, if we will commit ourselves to building these devotions into our lives, what will take us five years to do, God will do in five seconds. Because we can handle what he's going to do. We have to move backwards to move forwards. These guys wouldn't have been able to have handled what God wanted to do amongst us. But as they built these into their lives, cemented by the Spirit, God did truly outstanding things. You see, I've done evangelism. Anybody else? (laughs) Anybody learn the five steps to a miraculous life? Oh, yeah, they're all over there. I've done community act. I've been educated in running an effective financial campaign. And I'm done with it all. I'm done with it all. Because actually what God wants us to do is build this life of devotion that will overflow in salvation, that will overflow in community impact, that will overflow in standing generosity, that will overflow in miracles. It's not about us doing. It's about us being. In our own strength, in our own power, we'll try to do these things. But look where we've got the early disciples. They were deserted, they were demoralized, they were disenchanted, and they went back to their day jobs because they hadn't learned this life of devotion. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says what? It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit. Growth, multiplication, blessing, favor are the overflow of a devoted life, and so too are challenges and pressures. I just put that as a disclaimer. Now, you thought when I said I'll do that in five minutes, you thought he's dreaming he's going to go off on one. I haven't. That's it. Sorry, it's a bit disjointed. But the life of devotion is the foundation for a life of motion. And if you guys continue to go to your world without trying to build this into your life, you're always going to have trouble. You're always going to be knocking on the pastor's door. You're always going to have to be picking up, phoning up a friend because we haven't built the life of devotion. The life of devotion is the foundation for a life of motion. These are some of the things that God's been trying to lay in me. I said in another context, we've actually, we celebrated February the 2nd, year 2000. We've been here 12 years. This is 12 years that God's been trying to say this to me. And I think, I think, I may have just got it. I think. That is no, I think I may have just now beginning to understand what God has wanted to try and do in me. Because it's not about me going. It's about me being. And as I be, thank God goes. <laughs> Amazing things. 
I wonder if the musicians had just come in with, we're finished. Well, I enjoyed preaching that. 